We're so glad to have you joining our podcast, Soul Talks, with Bill and Christy Galtier. And we appreciate you sharing Soul Talks with a friend. This summer, we're doing a series of conversations on the classics of Christian devotion. We may think the old books are dusty and boring, but C.S. Lewis said they bring us the clean sea breeze because they correct the mistakes of our age. And in the Bible, Paul sets an example for us by reading the old classic books. We see this in Acts and in his letters to Timothy. Sharing a classic with a friend makes for a great soul talk. Let's do it. Hello, Soul Talks friends. Hello out there. So glad you're tuning in to us. We know many of you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you prayed for us this last week as we were going down to Mexico. We had the opportunity to minister to some pastors we've been journeying with the last eight years or so. We get to go down two or three times a year to encourage and minister to these pastors in Mexico who are serving the Lord bivocationally, working about $2 an hour jobs in their communities and then ministering on the weeknights and weekends uh, to their local churches that they've been building with following the Lord in. So thank you for your prayers. We needed them. We appreciate those intercessions. So encouraging. Yeah. It's not easy for us still. We always fight through some struggle um, in our preparations to go. We have to fight through fears and feelings of shame before having the desire not to go sometimes. <laughs> and, yeah, it's such a good thing that we get to go down there and the, the pastors and their wives, I mean, they're so appreciative. They're Corazon, their their heart yeah. uh, for God and and for us and for the people in their communities is just so full of, of affection and devotion. Yeah. Uh, they're just so kind and and just really big hearted people. And so it's always such a blessing to be with them. Mm-hmm. But we uh, usually struggle with some wrestlings uh, going into the time. You know, it's a different culture. We're traveling away, so we have to set aside all of our normal work and. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we put out a lot of energy and so, yeah, I was finding myself complaining and getting some stress and overstress and getting grumpy before we left. I was thankful that you processed those emotions with me, trusted me to be honest and real and share those feelings, Bill. You, you were thankful. I mean, I just felt like I was barfing on you. No, I was really thankful. And actually, when you were feeling all of that, it enabled me to be positive and focus on all the good <laughs> things we get to do and uh, how how much I love these pastors and their wives and the But Lord. I thank you that you didn't just reassure me and try to cheer me up, but you gave yeah. me some good empathy and you you really sympathized with me too because well, yeah. you, you have some of these feelings too of, of yeah. the difficulty and the stress and yeah. so well and when you got free of the feelings then i started feeling <laughs> them and then i did it to you it's kind of like giving each other the flu <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we got better and yeah. uh, we found joy in the lord and yes. he helped us move into the the four days of ministry there and just gave us great energy yeah. and Lord, help us take care of ourselves while we were there and, yeah. you know, find some downtime each day to have our, our soul talks and yeah. to rest, to nap, to uh, listen to each other, to pray for each other, to do some scripture meditations. And so yeah. it was a tremendous four days. It was. I'm very thankful. What was the highlight for you, honey? I think the highlight was at the end of the day we spent with the pastors and their wives together, offering them a day retreat. And the pastor's wife that came over and shared with us just the tremendous grief and suffering that she's Mm -hmm. going through. And just the privilege of being able to 
hold that space for her and let her cry, give her a safe place to cry and to receive from us love and ministry and encouragement and affirmation because she's really loving and participating with Christ in a beautiful way in this horrible trial. Well, it was so lovely the way you listened to her. You know, her daughter's gotten pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, they're just feeling like bad pastors and, you know, like they just haven't been good father and mother here and just taking it personally and really struggling with, you know, what are they going to do? And and you helped her see uh, by just the empathy that you gave her, the way that you listened and the way that you affirmed her as a mother too, to show her that, you know, look, no, her daughter feels safe to confess mm-hmm. the truth and not try to hide it, you know, for, as and long as she cooperate can. cooperate with the boyfriend and abort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Bill, we, we see this so often. I mean, so many pastor couples have had this with a child. And, you know, it's a deep grief for them. Yeah, yeah. Diff- different conflicts with their children. Sometimes yeah. it's a, an adult child that no longer wants to go to church and isn't practicing the Christian faith anymore. And I think the thing, we've got the perspective of how we see God works as redemption in it, too, and the beauty of that, too. And we get to see these children, and we get to see the way that those pastors and wives are significant spiritually in the lives of those children and the ways that he's, we, you know, he works in the lives of these daughters and families. So that's neat, too. We have the hope of knowing that God works all things for good. The highlight for me was my conversation with one of the pastors. This was the first retreat day. And he was telling me a story about his uncle, who he had admired as a boy, who was a pastor and very committed to the Lord and to church and and worked very hard. And later on in life, he realized that his uncle was like way overworking and didn't have good boundaries and never spent time with his children. Like he never took them to the park or on vacation or, you know, wasn't close to them to be involved in their activities and to, you know, really listen to them. And so there was this distance that the the kids had with their dad. And uh, so one of the nephews in particular, who now is an adult, he doesn't go to church anymore. He wants nothing to do with God. Yeah. And so, you know, my friend, uh, the pastor in Mexico, was just so sad about this and really resolved in his heart that he didn't want to be a pastor like that. He didn't want to overwork. He didn't want to lose his kids, you know. And so I was so grateful to be in this conversation with him. And we've had over the, he's a very hard worker over the years. (laughs) I've been helping him with his boundaries, putting priority on his marriage and on his his children. And so uh, later that day, there was time for the families to go to the pool. And it was so fun to see him with his his two little kids there playing in the pool and, you know, they're jumping in daddy's arms and so happy (laughs) to have this time with their father and on vacation and have his undivided attention and affection. Yeah, so special, such precious little boys. And that's an example, Bill, of how here he is learning from the good of his uncle, who he admired as a pastor, but also learning from his uncle's mistakes. And that's, we're in this series now on the saints and Today we're going to be talking about St. Francis and St. Clair a little more. And we've so appreciated hearing from you, Kristen and December and Layla, Michael Ann, all of you were such an encouragement to me this week because you emailed in and you said, thank you, I listen and I enjoy your podcast. And I so resonate, Christy, with the shame you feel reading these saints who seem to be in a whole different reality um, than we are. And you said it was helpful to hear that I struggled too. And and so it was helpful for me to hear that from you, 
because I can go to shame about that even in, as I confess it publicly and think, oh no, you know, what's everybody going to think of me? And is anybody going to want to listen to me anymore? <laughs> and so just, it's just so helpful to know we're not alone and to hear from you. These things that you're sharing with us, um, December, you wrote, Bill and Christy, thank you for sharing how you walk this out in compassion and grace with a trusted friend, uh, how important that is. Thank you for looking at the saints more fully as people with their own blind spots and writing from places where they've been through deep development to arrive at. And then also you appreciated hearing that they didn't have some of the self-awareness and language that we have as Christian, in in the writing. centuries past. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so hearing that balance. And so I just was so glad to read. I thought December really articulated this well, saying that we're each walking this out with God. It's a unique tailor-made journey with him that may involve similar themes to saints we read, but are perfectly fit to our need and development and growth with him. So we we love to hear from your our friends and listeners. You're smiling. I can see that you're encouraged. Yeah, I am encouraged. Well, it's just an example here of they're encouraging me, but they were encouraged by me. We're walking it out together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same thing. Yeah. And so today we're talking about free of shame and full of joy. What is shame? Uh, honey, how would you define shame? Shame is, I think, I best articulate it with this. It's a horrible feeling of I'm bad. There's something just at my core that's bad and wrong and inadequate and not enough. And I'm embarrassed by it. It actually can be a, a form of pride because it's it could be all about me. <laughs> yeah, that's the confusing thing. We, we yeah. think of shame and pride as opposites. So help us understand better how it is that shame is actually a, a type of pride. Yeah, well, because I think I shouldn't be this way. I think I'm better than that or I should be better than that. I, I'm having an expectation of myself that I should be all good. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not, I'm, I feel all bad. I go to shame. And, and then in shame, there's this. I feel tempted to self-hatred or self-condemnation to condemning myself or to thinking that I'm just too far beyond being eligible to receive God's love and grace or to be used by him. So there's a lot of self-focus and self-absorption mm-hmm. in shame, mm-hmm. which is the underside of pride. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're also saying that what goes with shame is a lot of uh, self-criticism and judging and condemning yourself, putting mm-hmm. yourself down. Yeah. I just, you know, does anyone listening not struggle with self-criticism, self-judging? I probably not. You know, I just think that everybody that we talk to, I just think about just so many people over the years that we have talked with as counselors and spiritual directors and retreats and so forth. I, it just seems like we constantly hear from people who various ways at various times are struggling with shame. Yeah, but there is a lot of defenses against it too. A lot of us Mm -hmm. defend against the feelings by using a substance or by focusing on criticizing others and making other people all bad. Sure, we go to anger to stay Mm -hmm. out of self-condemnation. Yeah, so sometimes some people might not be in touch with feelings of shame. Mm -hmm. And it manifests maybe as depression is another way it might come out. Yeah. Or anxiety and distraction. Yeah. So Psalm 34 is a great antidote for shame and for cultivating joy. David sings out to the Lord, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast, not in myself, but in the Lord. 
And so he says to us, let the afflicted, let the people who are hurting and struggling and anxious and scared and have some problem in their life, some distress, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. He goes on and says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now listen to this, verse 5 of Psalm 34. This is an amazing, uh, inspiring, encouraging verse. Those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Then David says, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who honor the Lord, and he delivers them. I just love that. We look to the Lord. It's the opposite of pride, which we're saying is also the opposite of shame. We look to the Lord, which includes bringing him our distress and our troubles, and we become illuminated, even radiant, with his loving presence and his glory And that's what heals us of our shame. That's what brings us uh, enthusiasm and energy for life is this uh, attunement, this intimacy with God. And it it comes down. There's two sides of it that David is talking about. There's the the vulnerability and the self-disclosure. And then there's also the the worship and adoration of God and his, his grace and his goodness. I love that. love that verse. Those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces are not filled with shame. And just that has been a verse that has ministered to me at times. I am feeling shame to remind me to look to the Lord and to receive his love and grace. And that helps me to return to joy. Sometimes, though, I, I need to come to you first and confess the shame and share about it and see you looking to me <laughs> with love and grace. And that then helps me to... Look to God. Sometimes the smile of a person helps us to see the mm-hmm. smile of the Lord. Yes. And let our souls to just soak in that. Yeah. Well, and shame keeps us from looking. You know, when I'm ashamed, I have trouble looking you in the eye or looking mm-hmm. to God. And so that's the other thing I love about this verse is it, it confronts that. Yeah. Well, even this morning, we had uh, some distress <laughs> this morning. Yeah. And on your side, you were feeling the temptation to withdraw and hide. Yeah, and I was feeling shame, you know, coming back from Mexico, where usually I come back feeling so full of gratitude and contentment and kind of on a high, what God's done, and I wasn't feeling that this morning, and so I was feeling some shame about that. Yeah, well, I think at first you were feeling the typical inspiration, but then we had some, a difficult conversation last night with a, yeah. some family members, and it stirred up some stuff for you yeah. about the house and, and yeah. improvements that we've been hoping to make but haven't made for a long time because we've been busy with more important things in the ministry and so forth and other family things. Yeah. I was feeling ashamed over the state of our house that I feel like I've neglected the last 18 years. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then I... I uh, inadvertently woke you up uh, early around uh, <laughs> putting some things away, and I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, thank you, honey. I know your heart, and feel was grateful for your grace to me, listening and letting me. So you looked, my... you looked to the Lord by coming to me mm-hmm. and saying, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling some anger. Yeah. I'm feeling frustrated and, and I'm, pressure. Yeah, I'm, and I'm judging myself and mm-hmm. feeling guilty that I have these emotions. But you, you verbalized this, and yeah. you asked me to listen and. You did, and you extended grace, and I was able to return to joy. Yeah. Thank you. 
And I see that joy even now. Thanks, honey. So did Francis ever experience shame? Uh, we know you've written about on Soul Shepherding his joy, his perfect joy. Mm-hmm. We, we know that he lived with joy in Christ. But what about shame? Well, Francis, uh, there's a couple of stories that illustrate how he struggled with uh, self-condemnation and shame, and yet he was became a great healer of others. So there's this one story where he's going to uh, Brother Leo. So Francis practiced what he preached, and he had his own uh, soul friend called a confessor, someone, uh, another brother priest that he confessed his own sins to, and this was Leo. And Leo was called God's Little Lamb, was the nickname they gave uh, Brother Leo because he was so loyal to Francis and, and followed him around like his shadow and uh, was really wanted to serve uh, Francis in any way that he could. And so Francis was very honest with Leo about his stresses and struggles and, and his sins and sought the mercy of the Lord through uh, Brother Leo. So one time there's this story where uh, Francis uh, said, you know, today uh, what I want you to do for me, Leo, is as I confess my sins before you, I want you to tell me how, how serious they are and that uh, I deserve judgment, even, even hell, for my sins. And so Francis began confessing, and each time Brother Leo responded by saying, God will perform such good things through you, Francis, that you will surely go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and so four different times Francis confesses his faults, in his struggles. And four times, Leo says things like this. Second time, he says, oh, Father Francis, thank God you've made such progress in virtue, and you will be blessed for all eternity because of Christ and his forgiveness. (laughs) You know, and Francis keeps going on, uh, Brother Leo, tell me how wicked I am because of my sins and that I need to tremble if I'm ever going to find the grace of God. And then Brother Leo goes, oh, God, whose mercy is so much greater than our sins. He forgives you, Francis. He loves you so much. <laughs> and so Francis was getting kind of irritated with this. And then Brother Leo says, look, God loves you. I could, these were the thoughts he was giving me to share with you. As I was listening to you in a spirit of prayer, he wants to share his mercy and his grace with you. And so, you know, Francis gives mercy and grace to, uh, I mean, now over the centuries, has multiplied countless millions of people. But sometimes he struggled to experience that that mercy and that grace. And this is one of those stories. And uh, so thankful for Brother Leo, who was just really affirming of Francis. I wonder if maybe you can relate to that, honey. Yeah, well, I so appreciate the story because, it, you know, it's easy for us to idolize Francis. We all know Francis of Assisi, but none of us know Leo. Yeah. And so to think about, you know, he had a spiritual friend there, mm-hmm. and he relied on him a lot. And there's other stories about that, too, and how God used him as an ambassador of Christ to Francis and vice versa, that there was a, a mutuality in that relationship that was really important and key to Francis and who he was and what he did and the way God used him. Yeah, I always tell the pastors that we help that if you have yourself for a pastor, you have a fool for a pastor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Counselors need a counselor. Small group leaders need a small group leader. Mentors need a mentor. Doctors need a doctor. We all need someone else we can turn to as Christ's ambassador. And Francis did that. So praise the Lord for that. Here's another story. Uh, there's so many stories from Francis's life. Uh, I wish we could talk about all of them, but just one more here. So uh, one time he sent out Brother Rufino, another one of his brother monks there in the early Franciscan order, and he sent him out to 
preach to a group of people without his habit, and he was wanting to teach him humility. And the habit is the outer garment that they wear that uh, uh, signifies their identity and their service to the Lord and following him with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. And so then as Rufino went out, Francis felt uh, like he'd been too stern with him. And so he had regret and remorse. And so the Lord moved on his heart. And so Francis followed out behind Brother Rufino and Francis took off his tunic and his cloak. And the, the cloak is like his shirt. So he goes out to this church behind Rufino, essentially in his undergarments. And when he gets to the church, Brother Rufino is being laughed at by the people because mm. he's not wearing his cloak, which is yeah. a point of dignity and honor. Yeah. And then when Francis shows up, the people turn all their attention onto Francis because he's <laughs> in his undergarments and the people oh start turning on him, which is what Francis wanted. But mm. then what Francis did was, is he turned everybody's attention to Jesus Christ hanging naked on the cross mm. and how he died for our sins. Mm. And the one who had all the riches of heaven as the son of God, the radiance of God's glory, gave all that up and became poor for our sakes, mm-hmm. and took on our sin, that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to God, God of love, our Father of mercy for all eternity. And then the people were, were weeping mm. and confessing their sins. Okay. It's so, so beautiful, and that really illustrates, honey, the way that Francis really meditated on Christ and his sufferings and his joy and his obedience and really sought with his whole heart and life to earnestly follow Jesus in in his ways. And so I think that's a a great story of an example of Francis falling in the humility of Christ and pointing people to Christ in his way, his humility, his love for us, such that he's willing to bear such shame and love for us. It's like the parable of the prodigal son. And Mm -hmm. Francis uh, shows us that the grace of God is stronger than our self-condemnation or shame, even being ridiculed or laughed at, being criticized, judged by other people. When we stand in the mercy of Christ, we're free and yeah. we're full of joy. Yeah. Well, and that's such a beautiful example of him not being controlled by shame or pride. Thank you for sharing that. As we close our podcast, I just want to draw people's attention to another email that we received from our friend Leila down in San Diego. And she says, what a blessing to hear from you today. I share Christie's difficulty with the old books, but listening to you too, I remember what Jesus said about the spirit being willing even though the flesh is weak. Also, looking at the Lord's patience and forgiveness for Simon Peter, whose difficult journey to maturity was exposed right there in the Bible. We're being made into the image of Christ, but God does it one day at a time. Thank you, Lord, for your patience. And so in this series on the classics, we've been going through some of the old books here today on Francis. If you go onto the Soul Shepherding website and uh, you search on classics, or uh, more specifically on St. Francis, you will find a few different devotionals with excerpts from some of Francis's life, um, his uh, prayers, his stories. Uh, We have Francis' version of the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Our Father, and we have the story about the perfect joy, another delightful story from Francis' Mm -hmm. life. And then we have a new article on the Footprints Prayer, and Francis often talked about following in the footprints of Christ. And there's a beautiful prayer of his that uh, inspires us to keep in step with Jesus. And in particular, we want to, in closing, share with you a prayer by one of Francis's 
special friends and uh, followers, Claire. Yes. He had a soul friendship with Claire. And when we were in Assisi walking through those quaint uh, village streets there, and we visited Claire's monastery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really special. You remember that beautiful garden there? She lived in that convent continually her whole life. And uh, she and the sisters like never left. Never they left, just stayed yeah. there um, in the garden as it is now in the center of the convent is so beautiful and lovely with flowers. You almost think, well, I could stay here, but I probably no. want to step outside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little yeah. beyond those walls, huh? Yes. <laughs> well, and the way that God used her to minister to people and, and really yeah. powerful, amazing stories that came to her there, even people coming to invade and receiving hospitality and love and be so touched by her prayer that they were moved to repentance. She was like Francis when enemies came to the the door. She was gracious with Mm -hmm. them. Uh, Amazing. Enemies came to Francis's door and one of the brothers sent them all away and said, no, we don't have anything for you. And and then Francis said, you didn't give them anything? And, And said to the brother, pack a picnic lunch and go chase them down and spread out the blanket for them and serve them food and drink and bless them and wash their feet and say positive, wonderful things to them, encourage them and and say, is there anything else you need? Come back to our monastery and we'll give it to you. This is to the robbers. (laughs) They repented. And they repented and became followers of Jesus. And it's stories like this why Francis became so uh, famous. People were so drawn to Jesus because of his life and of all of his followers. Claire is the one who is most devoted to the Lord, and she took up this teaching of Francis's and his prayer about the footsteps. And I think uh, Francis said she lived it better than he did. He did, yes. Yeah. And her, her footsteps prayer is just a, a wonderful blessing. And so I've paraphrased it a little bit and want to share it with you, our listeners, uh, in hopes that it will encourage you. Thank you, Lord. Only one thing is necessary, friends. Always hold the hand of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, never abandoning your heavenly King and Lord. Follow in his footprints with ready pace, light step, and unswerving feet, so your steps stir up no dust. Go forward with him who is your spouse, readily, securely, and joyfully on the path of prudent happiness. Be careful to agree with nothing which would dissuade you from your intentions or place a stumbling block on the way. Keep pursuing the call of the Spirit of the Lord by always holding fast to his footprints. You will be adorned with the splendors of his virtues Praise the Lord that in Christ, because of your mercy, we can be free of shame and full of joy. And Lord, as we have times, we have trials, difficulties that we go through, and we have feelings of discouragement, even of shame, depression. Help us, O Lord, to look to you, as David does in Psalm 34, and to find that our faces become radiant because of your compassion, your mercies that are new every morning. And help us, Lord, to strengthen in our friendships, Lord. Let each one listening to this prayer, Lord, have a soul friend that they can turn to, a safe person, Lord. And let us to be that for other people, Lord. 
that we can come into a deeper intimacy with you, Lord, and a more stronger ability to more consistently overflow with your mercy to the people around us in effective ministry in the work that you've called us to do. Thank you, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you do an internet search on Soul Shepherding Classics, you'll find our recommended reading list of the Classics of Christian Devotion and lots of short articles with excerpts from these great books. You can also find our new archive of Ignatian Meditation Guides. We have over 50 one-page PDF handouts that guide you in using your imagination to connect deeply with Christ and the Gospels. These are great for personal devotions or a small group. SoulShepherding.org is a gathering place for hundreds of people every day who are gleaning from free resources like these and sharing them with others. Drop on by, and while you're there, leave us a note. We love hearing from you.